Welcome to another brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network, coming to you live from the Al Davis Studio on the bucolic western shore of Maryland along the banks of the semi-historic Magathy River. You are listening to the Voice of Maryland, Red Maryland Radio. I am your host, Brian Grimmers, with me in studio, Greg Klein. Good to be here. This is the last brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio for 2017. It is. The next time we convene, Greg, it will be the election year. 2018, yeah. 2018, yeah. So, but before we get to 2018, we will talk about 2018 right. towards the end of the show. Looking um, forward at the end. Let's yes. let's look backwards. Um, yes, we will. We, have, we, will we have, do, have some unfinished business from last we week. We do have some unfinished business business, which we will get to here momentarily. Um, yeah, we're not going to tease you with that. Yeah, we're not going to drag it out for you like we did last week. And then we'll, then we'll then we'll just talk about 2017. What happened? What was good? What was not so good? We will. We will, as all, we always do, we, we will praise the people who deserve praise, and we will heap scorn upon those who deserve scorn uh, in the way that only we can do it here at yeah. Red Maryland Absolutely. Radio. So, like I said, we'll talk about 2017, then yes. we'll look towards the future, uh, both for, for our state and for Red Maryland, of course. Right. But first, without any further ado, let's, let's, let's get, be done with the ado. And let's talk about and the winners adieu. of the 2017 Red Maryland Award. Right. We gave you the finalists last week. Got some great feedback to the finalists. And for the, for all of the finalists in these categories, consider yourself a winner just for being nominated. Except for the last category. We'll get to that a little later. Right. So the first category. And I have not seen the results. So I do not know who I've, who won. And we can talk about the actual physical award and when, whenever you feel like Oh, Sure. Um, so the first award, the biggest award, the most important award, yes. if you will, is the, the Red Maryland Conservative of the Year Award. Um, and without further any further ado, the winner, the 2017 Red Maryland Conservative of the Year. There is a jingle for this? Probably not. No, there and, is not. Oh, okay. I thought, there was, I, thought you had a, I thought you had a drum roll. I did. I didn't. I was looking for one. Okay. Our normal. We're we're dealing with some changes in technology, <laughs> At, which Greg loves. Greg loves technology. It's true. But the winner. Oh, quite exciting! Quite exciting! This computer magic. Yeah. The winner of the 2017 Red Maryland 2017 Conservative of the Year is the Honorable Larry Hogan. Yay! Yay! That, by the way, is a record third consecutive win for Governor Hogan in this category. Yeah, pretty exciting. Um, just to recap the results, of course, uh, Steve Shue finished second. It was second. Um, Governor Hogan had 54 of the first place votes that were available. We've gone over right. the, the scoring system before. We're not going to go over we it. We have. And if you have questions about it, email them, redmaryland at yeah. uh, Joey Lynn Huff beat Mike Huff. She finished third. He finished fourth. Oh. <laughs> um, Last week we talked about how there was a uh, how there was a tie for fifth, and that was Dirk Hare and Matt Mossberg were tied for fifth. Uh, Andy Harris finished sixth. Pat McDonough, by the way, was the winner of the fan vote. Yes, the results will notate who won the fan vote. A big push at the end. Yes, from the from the McDonough. Yeah, campaign. there was a lot of votes that came in very at, towards the end for McDonough. McDonough, the, the only votes McDonough got were from the fan poll. None of the writers or editors voted for him. So. Well, there you that. go. He could say Take he's that the people's for what choice. Yeah, he's he, the people's, he can go out and say he's the people's choice. He's the people's champion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And then uh, we got the only other, by the way, the only other, you, you, and by the way, the results will be posted at redmaryland.com. Yes. We're not going to go in through detail. the entirety of in the detail, results. Yeah. The only other um, open campaign, if you will, that I saw was uh, was Stephen, Re- Stephen Clark Regal, our friend from, from District 32, uh, was kind of trolling around for votes. And he finished he finished in 11th, uh, tied for 10th place, excuse me. There you go. Um, in the voting. So, Greg, your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to beat Larry Hogan. I mean, I in, in Maryland, it's kind of hard to see a guy who's doing more to advance the conservative movement. Is he the most conservative guy in the world? No, he's not. But I think what he's doing with taxes, we say it this week, guys talking about uh, dealing with tax cuts. I, I think what happened in Washington, by and large, is good. We're not going to wade into that. But the governor's position is, hey, if you Democrats think Marylanders are going to pay more in taxes as a result of what happened in Washington, let's fix it. Yeah, and let's can, help you keep more money in your pocket. And of I'll course, keep the Democrats down. are Democrats are not not feeling that. Which is, you could go read my piece at redmaryland.com I wrote last night to learn yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, but he's that. calling him out on it. And he's pushing. And he's being successful. His popularity is a testament to the fact that a more conservative uh, approach to governance in the state can be not only successful but politically viable. Uh, that hard left way that O'Malley had isn't the only way that can be successful politically, and. Um, you know, I, I think that it's hard to say anybody's doing more than he is. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Our next category, Red Maryland Conservative Organization of right. the Year, the winner, Change Maryland. There you go. Um, Same kind of thing, absolutely. Finishing finishing second was Maryland Against Physician Assisted Suicide. The District 32 Republican Club finished third. They were the people's choice in this category. That's right. They had campaigned a little bit, and that's fine. The greater, and they're a great group. The Greater Frederick Republican Women finished fourth, uh, and the Montgomery County Teenage Republicans finished fifth. There you go. Um, so Change Maryland got 36 first-place votes. Maryland Against Physician-Assisted Suicide got 27. District 32 Republican Club, 18. The only other group that got a first place, any first-place votes was the uh, Ad Hoc Inte- Voter Integrity Commission, which finished in, in sixth place out of the finalist category. Who one of our contributors is a member of, so maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> uh, I, my first-place vote was for Maryland Against Physician-Assisted Suicide. As great as change Maryland is... No, it wasn't, actually. It, it, my, my, first, my, <laughs> my vote was for Maryland My number one vote was for change suicide. Maryland, because as great as Maryland Against Physician-Assisted Suicide is... It's again. It's hard to argue that Change Maryland isn't doing as much as anybody, and 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 going out in the alternative media and getting that message out. But again, you know, uh, Maryland against physician assisted suicide, who I think won last year. They did win last year. Um, you know, they were successful again this year. This year may not have been the toughest, though. They'll it'll be back again next year. But uh, they definitely deserve. All well, let me the first explain place. to you why I voted for Maryland against physician-assisted suicide, and just because you know they do not. They are they are a you know change Maryland has a gazillion Facebook likes. They've got yeah. the campaign apparatus that's associated with it. Right. Um, you know, they are a, they are a full speed ahead juggernaut. And they were my they were second on my ballot, let's be clear. Um, but and you know, Maryland against physician assisted suicide fighting a tough uphill um, you know, social issue on next to no budget, very small organization, and they're holding the line in in in, in a state in which often social issues we don't hold the line on. Uh, no, and and all of that is great, and that's why I probably had them number two. But, you know, we had been successful uh, the last two years, and I think it was pretty clear that the this wasn't an issue that was a tough one to win on in Maryland for a variety of reasons. But you're right. Everything else you said is absolutely true. So you could do one, too. I'm, I'm you know, I probably had the order reversed. 
people could, uh, you know, make their own decisions. But right, hard to argue that those two groups aren't doing the most to directly affect policy and, and politics here in the state. The next category is Red Maryland Conservative Legislator yeah. of the Year. The winner, once again, State Senator Michael Hunt. Yeah, there you go. He got 54 first place votes. Justin Reedy finished second. Kathy Shalega finished third. Nick Kipke finished fourth. J.B. Jennings finished fifth. Just out of the money, but again, the people's choice in this category, Pat McDonough finishing So, so the only the only two legislators who got first place votes were uh, Delegate McDonough and Senator Huff. Yes. And were, the, were McDonough all of the yes. people's vote? Yes. So all of the editors put Somebody Senator out. Huff yes. as number one. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. And by the way, a lot of great names on that list. I, I think Senator Huff, number one, I think last year it had to be a member of the state Senate because I think they were able to accomplish more blocking bad bills, um, especially some of the gun issues, some of the other things. The, the state Senate is where, you know, killing the amnesty bill, those were where some of the real conservative victories happened. Um, that's where, you know the excesses of the more liberal House of Delegates went to die. And I know Senator Huff, um, I'm surprised everybody went first place Senator Huff. We were all the same mind. Uh, but Senator Reedy certainly deserves consideration. Senator Jennings um, deserves uh, consideration as well. But I think we were all the same mind. So that's how it, it came up to go work, Mike. That's all yeah, we can say. definitely. The next category was Conservative County or Municipal Official of the Year. And this was this was the only unanimous vote all year. Wow! Look at this. The only Not all eighty-one first place votes. Wow! To Anne Arundel County Executive Steve Shu, who there wins this go. award for the second consecutive year. The the people's choice, our cho- everybody's number one choice. Yeah. Not even. Not even. Wow. Close. That's um, impressive. Yeah. That's impressive because look, there's other county executives on the list, and uh, you know that certainly have accomplished some things. But congratulations. County Executive Shoe, even with the bike, even with the cycling thing, yeah. the unanimous winner. Yeah. Wow! Uh, Harford County Executive Barry Glassman finished second. Baltimore County Councilman David Marks third. Uh, Howard County Executive Alan Kittleman and Chuck Jenkins fourth, tied for fourth. There you go. So, um, yeah, it was it was once again running away. Uh, yeah. well, you know, congratulations. For, for, he's the first. He's the first county or municipal official to win this award twice. And unanimously this year. Yes. I mean, all of the editors got, wow, and the people's vote. Yeah. Now, the next category is the Red Maryland Conservative Campaign of the Year. This was a tough one. It it was a tough tough one. And I'll be honest with you, I think if the vote were held today, the the result might be a little different. I think you're making a good point. Um, The things you're saying make a lot of sense. the, The winner was Change Maryland and the Hogan Campaign. With 45 first place votes, right? Uh, Bowie Recall, who got my first place vote, yeah, finished. Se- you know, my first place votes finished second. Who we found out today successfully got removed. One of the members of the right. Bowie City Council, Al Redmer, finished third. Robin Ficker finished fourth, and James Appel finished fifth. Isn't it interesting how much support Delegate McDonough got, but then on this one, Al Redmer is the campaign of the year. That didn't translate to the campaign. Well, the McDonough campaign was not nominated for conservative campaign. Oh, that's right. Year. Oh, okay. All I right. will say this though. I I will. They admit, couldn't get it together just to get one nomination. I left. I left a lot of blank votes on this one because um, it's 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 tough for me personally right, right. to vote for a campaign that 
is not successful. Well, I think you have to be successful. And, and, and again, your argument about the buoy recall, they, they got the recall to the ballot. The ballot now, we found out in this one case at least, has been successful. Kind of hard to beat that. Yeah. So like I said, if, that, if this vote were held now instead of, you know, instead of closing a week ago. As, and, and you could say, well, Larry Hogan's maintaining his high levels of popularity. He's still weathering, you know, all of the criticism and doing well and doing a lot of things right. So you could Agreed. say he's having success. But, of course, they haven't accomplished. They haven't won per se. Uh, I, I did make votes down because some of the some of the campaigns that were unsuccessful, I thought, were good campaigns that kind of in a tough year kind of overperformed. And and sometimes we have to look at campaigns that overperform and give them credit. I thought Julie Mossog, if I'm pronouncing, I hope I have not if I'm mispronouncing. I apologize. I thought she ran a really great campaign. And, and I, you know, I thought uh, our friend James Appel did as well. Mm-hmm. For those aldermen seats, those are tough races. They didn't win. Annapolis was a bloodbath, but I thought those guys really gave us a chance in places that we haven't had a chance really in the past, and certainly worked hard. So I, I wanted to give them some credit as well. The last, but certainly not least, actually, it is least. It is least. The it least last, and it is valuable least. conservative award. Okay, I haven't seen this. Huh? The okay. winner, huh? In a in that? in the tightest race that we had. This is, this is a competitive – this is a comp- – by the way, who won the campaign? It was also Change Maryland. Was the was the voters? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. The winner, if you will, of least will. valuable conservative. The award goes back to Frederick County for yes. a second consecutive year. <laughs> Frederick County Councilman Kirby DeLauder yeah. in a tight, tight, tight vote. Uh, in uh, the fight for true freedom, he has won. <laughs> Dick Jorgina finished second. Yeah. Ami Hober third. Billy Shreve, the, the defending champion, if you will, finishes fourth. Chris West finishes fifth. The people's choice in this category was John Leopold. He finished sixth. And by the way, look, to the people, I give you, I mean, yes. Um, you know, he should have, John Leopold should have been a finalist. I think the fact that he isn't. I mean, he is doing. I can't say he's not doing anything actively, but that he's still a little bit under the radar uh, is probably what held him back. He wasn't being quoted in the paper doing stupid, saying stupid things this year. Um, but, but that, he, but, he but, is but that didn't necessarily get you. <laughs> you know, you can see based on based on the vote total. Because look, the votes. I will admit, the votes were all over the place. I, I, this, I'm okay? I'm a little embarrassed that John Leopold wasn't a finalist. Okay, that's fair. He should have been. But again, he should here, have been higher. Here's, higher, here's higher, what higher, I argue higher, with you: yeah. Who do you knock off the fi- final five? Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't have as big a problem with Jorgina as I think you did. I, he was my first place vote. Yeah. So I, I mean, let me let me explain why he was my first ahead, place go vote. Go ahead. Because look, I can make a case for first place votes for a bunch of people on this list. Okay. Oh, can, it's it's a it's yeah, a crazy. It's a, list. It is a it is a a wealth. Yes. Of people. The reason I did that is because um, is that Jorgina was such a disaster in a county that is crucially important to Governor Hogan's reelection next year, right? And get turning out Republicans to to try to you know get to that thirty five percent of the vote in Montgomery County right. that you kind of need to get to in order to make sure that Governor Hogan gets reelected. 
Yeah. And Jorgina was just a shit show as oh, look at you, as Sock the chairman. Jack. I mean, that's he was he was the disaster. You know, when he wasn't um, mismanaging the committee, he was he was tweeting things that were of questionable taste. Um, you know, he he was sharing you know memes memes that could be construed as racist and um, things that were just generally offensive to people. And he's just um, he was my choice. But you know, based on based on his year. Um, and look, Kirby DeLauder has been a been a strong contender for this award in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just based on hiring fake news people and just his just, you know, he he is a worthy, worthy contender for this award. Well, I do laugh, though, at the fact that I believe how yeah. many people are on the Frederick County Council? Is it five or seven? Uh, but there are now two Frederick County Councilmen who have won this award in the five years of its existence. I, I, I want to go with five, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, and both of them will be leaving the council, as it turns out, because yeah, you know, hoping to move up, yes. which is the truly terrifying part. And why, for me, I think a guy like Kirby DeLauder, who is running for a higher office, is concerning when he goes out and says really stupid things in the media. I mean, he, he and Billy Shreve are not going to be writing any books on how to deal with the media. No, that's that's for sure. And. You know, I, I get we're in an era of Trump and, and taking on the media is kind of the end thing and, and you can do that. I, You know, they don't have the chops that a Donald Trump has. Donald Trump can do things and get away with it that people who try to imitate him don't right. and fall fat, flat on their face um, and end up looking really, really dumb. Some folks will like it and maybe when you're in a very localized seat – uh, but if you want to run for state senator, you want to run for county executive, talking about the Civil War not having anything to do with slavery, that those are the kinds of things that are going to work against you. And, are, are, and, and you know, it, it, taking on the Frederick News Post and saying they can't write about you, um, it's it just the, there's temperament and there's there's issues there. I, I know you want to play up the good old boy thing, but guys like this at that high a level – hurt what we're trying to do as a party and you know it, it's not they can't articulate policy effectively they, they can't strategize well enough you know we should have a republican county executive in frederick county we should have had one the fact time. that we don't is because we had a guy by his own admission couldn't keep it in his pants and everybody knew about it and you know it would be nice to see, and I don't know that that person is necessarily in the race. It would be nice to see a smart, savvy person who gets Frederick County, who understands Frederick County, who can be that effective conservative voice in fighting back Jan Gardner. I think there's a wonderful opportunity there for somebody. And I think, and look, contrast it with what you have. With We talked about the other county executives that we talked about. Take, you know, contrast with a guy like Steve Shue with a guy like Barry Glassman, with a guy like uh, Alan Kittleman, okay? These are, these are guys who get their counties, who are in touch with what their counties are doing. They're smart. They're good campaigners. They're good at dealing with the media even when they're hostile. They work really, really hard. They have lots of differences between them as far as philosophy and policy, but they all are really effective in leading pretty good-sized counties as Republicans, and you know, Kirby Fred- DeLauder couldn't couldn't yeah, Frederick- be, couldn't hold a candle to any of those guys. Frederick County's got 
got problems, and it doesn't it doesn't help when their central committee is such a just a, a train wreck either. I mean, well, he was leader of the central committee yeah. and had all kinds of problems. You documented that as well. Yeah, and you know they've really upgraded in that category. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so, so that's why I gave him my first my first vote because yeah. if we if we can't win county executive in Frederick County in two thousand eighteen. Uh, we're we're really we're really doing something wrong. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, so, if, if you're going to give the least valuable to somebody who's in a position to do harm, the guy who's one of the leading candidates for a critical countywide position gets that vote. Yeah, me. and 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 look, if you look back on the on the history of this award, everybody who has won this award has been in a position to do harm. So yeah, but John uh, Leopold deserves all the condemnation we he can get. Well, let me and, uh, and let me remind you of this, Greg. I think as everybody knows, going into next year, <clears throat> excuse me, going yeah. into next year in an election year where there are going to be so many candidates and so many stories, it will be another target-rich environment for this award next year. Well, it will. And look, in, in an election, and and this is the thing, you know, we have a Republican governor. We're trying to work as a team in a way that we haven't always in the past picking up more Senate seats. There's going to be a real strong effort for people to work together. And we know the Democrats' modus operandi is to, you know, make every every Republican accountable for everything every other Republican says. So your wacky, crazy, and this is not new this cycle at all. So your wacky, crazy Republicans who say and do stupid things, that's going to be used as a cudgel against everybody else in all of these critical races. Yep. So... You know, some kind of loose cannon who's trying to good old boy himself into putting his foot in his mouth isn't just going to affect whatever race he's in, but it's going to be used against the governor. It's going to be used in a critical Senate race, probably very close to where they're running, and it could really screw things up. The, the potential is very high. Definitely. So definitely. Let's not do that. So the winners, first off, congratulations to the winners. Absolutely. Congratulations. Yes. And, and the winners... Will will be receiving a certificate, a suitable for framing certificate, yeah, suitable for framing that yes. will have Greg and I's signature on it. Oh yes, oh, um, <laughs> how would you know it was authentic otherwise? <laughs> so, so those will be. Those I'm will be sure they all. I'm sure they will all display it proudly. Some might not. Well, they might do it ironically, um, which is fine if you think hey, that helps. I'm sure, it, maybe you're kind of proving our point, but that's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? When we come back, we will start the year that was, 2017, in Maryland politics. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, 
Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. Okay, Dwayne, uh, we're going to try it once more. Just remember now, introduce yourself and read what's on the paper in front of you. Do you got it? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, fine. Dwayne Stop, Substance Abuse Awareness Campaign. This is take nine. <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne, that's your cue. Oh, uh, right. Anytime you're ready. We're ready, Dwayne. Dwayne, go. Oh, hi. This is Dwayne Stomp of Blacktooth. Kids, when you drink and drive... No, Dwayne. No, no, cut, cut. It's not when you drink and drive. Oh, right, right. Uh, let me do it again. Yeah, good idea. Uh, this is Dwayne Stomp, PSA, take 10. Hi, this is Dwayne Stump. When I drink and drive, I'll... Cut, Dwayne, cut, Dwayne. Dwayne, this spot is supposed to be against driving while intoxicated. What? Never mind. Uh, we'll do it one more time. And remember, say, don't do drugs. And if you must drink this holiday weekend, don't drive. You got it? I told you I got it. Fine. Uh, Dwayne Stump, PSA, take, uh, what is it? Eleven. Hi. I'm Dwayne Stomp telling you, if you do drugs this weekend, don't drive. Wrong again, Dwayne. It's don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. That's what I said. No, it's not. It's not even close to what you said. You come in this booth, I'll show you how close it was, Sherlock. We're going to do it again, Dwayne. Say, don't do drugs. If you must drink this holiday weekend, do not drive. Take 12. This is Dwayne Stump. Weekends are for drunks. Do drugs. Okay, Dwayne, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, I think with a little editing, we've got something we can use. Don't do drugs. And if you must drink this holiday weekend, don't drive. One. back red maryland radio on the red maryland network the 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 smooth t- jazz tones of <laughs> twisted sister nothing but the best is my mic on nothing but the best traditional christmas carols right the best it's a great one grading bun grading bump i'm not music. a fan i've said this before and mm-hmm. it remains true i'm not a fan of electric guitars in church but they wanted to do well, this that isn't, version. this isn't at church I, no, I understand that but i'm saying if they want to do oh come all you faithful with that uh Arrangement? I'd be okay with that. 
I'm not a fan of guitars <laughs> in church. Period. That's a, that's a whole nother story. Probably. You know, I'm not it's a fan better of than piano the, in church. You know, really. oh come all ye faithful with that arrangement is better than most modern Christian songs, contemporary worship songs. That's why I don't go to a contemporary church. That's why, I mean, so there's that. That's why I go to the church founded by Jesus. Anyway, okay. um, right. That's and great. also thank you, Dwayne Stomp, for that uplifting message. Uh, Greg, yes. what's that number again? Uh, if you run into trouble, which sometimes happens, so take take Dwayne's advice. But if not, 410-541-6DUI. Particularly New Year's Eve, uh, which, of course, is, is a night for... Amateurs. Yeah, amateur night. It's amateur night, and yeah. and the cops are going to be out there. Yeah, I see it. I, they tweet now. Hey, we're everywhere. <laughs> the government's just throwing money at them to arrest people for DUI, and guess what? They will. Don't make it easy for them, but if you get into a bind, right. one more time. 410-541-6DUI. That's 410-541-6384 is the number to remember. Right. And visit Anne Arundel DUI for some good tips and information before you go out. The best tip- None of which are better yeah. than- don't drink and get behind the wheel. Yes. Uber, Lyft, a cab. I saw I saw the, the other designated day. designated driver. They're your friends. At, at our office Christmas party the other day, I I, yeah. I went into the restroom and there was actually a sign at that establishment. It was a it is and I love love capitalism. It is a service that will come to the bar, right. drive your car home. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So you get home safely. Right. Your car is there. Right. It's basically, you know, they say it's the it's the same cost as a as a two-way cab ride basically. Okay. So you pay a little extra, but you get home safely. You got your car. You're good cheaper to go. than getting a DUI, I can tell you. I'm very reasonable in my prices, but it's expensive to get a DUI. And that says nothing about the donation that you will make to the state and uh, all yeah. the other and ignition interlock and all sorts which of other is mandatory now fun so. you can't see air quotes on the radio yeah. it's not stuff. worth it but if you get one you need good quality representation but what what is fun do is avoid it is going can. back on and looking back at at uh, at the year that was the year that was Greg and we'll, we'll kind of s- we'll start with 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 January why does my we'll, mic sound so low yeah, it's I, not but I have no idea why your mic sounds low um, probably because you love technology. Actually. I do. It's true. Um, the big, the big thing that came out of January was, of course, was the governor d- attempting to declare war on corruption here in the state of Maryland and getting absolutely nowhere with the Democratic Party. Yeah, I wanted to change the rules, and they, you know, and I think we're seeing the same thing now with uh, the, the the sexual harassment and other things. You know, they they it's the classic harumph harumph. We've got to protect our phony baloney jobs and not really wanting to make the substantive reforms. You know, and and former members of the legislature now being prosecuted and awaiting trial and been sentenced. And it still seems like there's other shoes to drop on the ethics front. And it just never ends. There's always something well, else that's, that keeps popping up. That's the thing is the fact that, you know, if you go back, you know, we, we were talking about it in in January about how the state party, as always, a cesspool of um you know, of just complete corruption. At the time, it was yeah. a, a campaign staffer for um, recently inaugurated at that time, Mayor Pugh, who was he was dealing with, um, you know, w- was was dealing with issues reg- related to to contributions and, and crimes related to that. And this at the same time that the, the, the scandal about the Prince George's County Liquor Board was breaking. Right. Uh, which was another Democratic um, scandal, one that's still going through the process of, of legal jurisprudence. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're wrong because the Prince George's County Executive, Russian Baker, has cleaned up corruption in his county. He keeps telling us that. 
Yeah. It's, it's gone. He cleaned it up. It's so much better now than it was four years ago. Funny, funny how that. Which basically works. just means he didn't get caught. That's the only thing that's improved. Yet. The FBI hasn't arrested him and have him on tape taking bribes. Yet. Yet. That's about the only improvement. Um, you know, some of the other weird things, and, and, and there were weird things that happened all year, of course, but, you know, there was a weird lot of Weird things happened, it's true. A lot of weird things happened in even in, in January. You had Doug Gansler, the former Attorney General of Maryland, right. getting into a a beef yeah. with the Montgomery County teenage Republicans in the, on Twitter in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know, this was interesting, and they were on our list of, of conservative organizations. It's great to see especially in Montgomery County, teenage Republicans being active and involved and and that Doug Gansler would engage them over, you know, nonsense is uh, tells you a lot about Doug Gansler and it tells you a lot about, you know, how active and engaged the, those guys are. Good for them. At the same time, Senator Bill Ferguson, his name keeps popping up throughout the year, yeah. decides that it's Republicans' fault that the Democrats had a floor fight on the Senate. They actually regarding a lottery bill. They actually he actually blamed the Republicans in a story where the headline, by the way, was lottery bill inspires tussle among Democrats in the Maryland Senate. Bill Ferguson throws blame at Republicans in the Senate. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of silly. But again, this goes back to the idea when we're talking about the uh, the session and how the state Senate was the place to go. Um when the Democrats can't all get on the same page, they have much less margin for error in the state Senate. And he's he's ridiculous blaming Republicans for that particular issue. But they feel the heat a little bit. And this is when they rack crazily. That means we're getting to them. Right. Um, and and the, and, and the other you know ridiculous news of the year right. of January, rather, was when was when Cameron Harris, uh, who at the time was working for Change in Apples, now yeah. works for Kirby DeLauder. Yeah. Yeah, um, bringing it full circle. Yeah, uh, was was exposed as one of the purveyors of fake news that was going on during the election last year. Yeah, and and people didn't do their basic due diligence and saw this guy had a reputation for this stuff, and you know it got him got him. Uh, he left Change Annapolis, if I recall correctly. Uh, he was encouraged at the very yeah. least to leave Change Annapolis. So uh, you know. Uh, we'll see what he does for Kirby DeLauder. Maybe Kirby DeLauder thinks he can get away with that. But again, why would you hire a guy like that? But also, that? that was written about at redmaryland.com yeah. later on in the year that Kirby DeLauder had had brought him up. And also, my personal favorite story was Ami Hober losing a race for Montgomery County Treasurer, which was just hilarious to me. At a time, if you'll recall, where she was saying she wasn't running for Congress, and then after she announces she's running for Congress, she says, I never stopped running for Congress. Correct. So, yeah. <laughs> That when we go back and look at the year in review, we're like, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that when she oh, when she I criticized you for talking about it, for accusing her of something that she later on missed. Uh, it's yeah. fun. It's fun what we do, and it's fun when you can look back. It, it is fun we can look back. Let me move on to February, yeah. and Bill Ferguson pops up again. Yeah. Um, if you remember, Greg, a, a I do remember an alt left mob of just nuts descended on Bill Ferguson's house to harass him. Regarding uh, a particular bill that was going through the state senate at the time, yes, and and the the part that they took umbrage used the word mob or violent mob, which they took great umbrage because they weren't really violent, but they had come, they had marched down to Senator Ferguson's house, mm-hmm. and you know scared his family, mm-hmm. and they were physically intimidating him, mm-hmm. 
they say that wasn't their intent, but that was clearly the reaction that the set. And by the way, Senator Ferguson is is friendly to them. He's a progressive senator. Right. This wasn't, you know, some arch right winger who's keeping these things from happening. Um, but uh, it, they took great umbrage on the way you characterize what they were doing rather than focusing on the fact that they were way too aggressive in going to, you know, going to the the doorstep of somebody's house and trying to convince them with a little, you know, mob appearance and coercion and intimidation to do something that the good senator was inclined to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. And um, also, in and that was our first dealing this year with Baynard Woods of the City Paper. Whatever happened to the City Paper? Yeah, that worked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about that? Um, yeah, he's got more time for... Well, mob, no. Now he works for some. Now he works. He's associated with the Baltimore Beat, the the replacement paper. Okay. Which, in and of itself, is tied in with some organization based out of Toronto that, um, that I saw online was promoting, talking about how uh, how Henry Wallace got railroaded. Okay. Which great. Read between those lines. Great. Communist sympathizers. Yeah. If well, it and it was also a demonstration. We, this has been a theme that we've talked about throughout the year, and it'll be a theme going the next year, as to how radicalized the Democratic Party and the left is, particularly here in Maryland, where you got a guy like Bill Ferguson, who is pretty, On their li- side. pretty liberal state senator, who a mob is coming down and protesting in front of his house. They dispute it was violent, but they were clearly trying to make a point to this guy, you know, in his backyard that he wasn't going far enough. This is what the Democrats are dealing with, and you wonder why they act the way that they act, because believe me, they took note of the fact that a mob came to this guy's house. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it was not... Uh... <laughs> it, it... Yeah, they weren't bringing over Sunday dinner. No. They were they were angry. No, they, they yeah, they weren't there for, for fun. Mako uh, embarrassed Kevin Kamenetz when he was there when he was their chairman on on the transportation bill, which was a never ending story. Kevin Kamenetz got embarrassed a lot this year. Didn't that that was also a theme, and he kind of you know I saw some story that or some analysis I forget where I saw it that was that was contending. I, I know what it was. Our friend Delegate Shoemaker wrote something in the Carroll County Times where he puts Kevin Kamenetz as one of the leaders in that race. I think he was he was being charitable because he wanted to throw a lot of <laughs> shade on county executive candidates. But I think the year that that Kevin Kamenetz has had, um, he has very rapidly fallen to at least the second tier, if not lower, uh, of the of the Democratic gubernatorial primary candidates. So this was this was just another knock, and there were many many more this year. But yeah, Mako, he's I mean the idea is he's head of these of of the Maryland Association of Counties, by the way, and you would think being the head of that would give him some impetus and would give him kind of an inside track to be governor, uh, be a you know solid gubernatorial candidate, and they would kind of back him at least over Rusher and Baker, a fellow county executive in the Democratic Party, but it didn't turn out that way at all. Not so much. Also in February, that's when Jan Gardner was in a tussle with State Senator Huff yeah. uh, regarding ethics reform. And, she and didn't she really was... want ethics reform. She wanted some kind of phony ethics reform. So when, uh, you know, our conservative legislator of the year this year said, OK, you want reform? Let's have real reform that has real teeth that really affects some of the things that, that we're doing. And I wrote a piece about some of the stuff she's involved in, some of the stuff that wouldn't be affected, um, how, how what she was proposing was really toothless. 
And um, she didn't like that. You know, this is another one that they got called on the carpet and they didn't. And the Frederick News Post apparently was trying to bail her out the editorial page there. And uh, the fact is, she got a little exposed, and, and she was and very way, unhappy with what we wrote. And by the way, ultimately, and a deal was reached later, you know, more recently, late right. in the year, right. that is much more akin to what Senator Huff was yeah. proposing than than what Jan Gardner was. Yeah, proposing. and and look, that's how you do it. Um, a lot of people were accusing the senator of just wanting to put put something impossible in or some sort of poison pill because he really didn't want anything. Not true. Yeah, and I think you see that. Uh, definitely. And and also in February was the first time that we saw Brian Frosch t- attack his own his client, Governor Hogan. Um, one of the many times that Brian Frosch has gone off the reservation this year to do pretty much whatever the hell he wants to do since he has been empowered by the General Assembly as an independent fourth branch of government. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked all year and, and covered in some depth about a depth about how our attorney general has been weaponized by the the left. Um, and the Democrats in the state, not only to go after President Trump, but to but to basically ignore and um, and oftentimes oppose the governor, which is something attorney generals have historically never attorneys done. General. Attorneys general. Thank you. Ha- have never done. So when there were real issues in the state that needed to be addressed, um, like some of the issues with BWI, with what was going on with the Peace Cross, Brian Frosch once no, has no interest in any of that. But any you know left wing attorneys general crusade that he could glom onto most recently, especially the, right, especially with against the president, uh, he's more than happy to spend our tax dollars to do. And unfortunately, the uh, general assembly gave him a literal blank check to do that. March was the action month in the general assembly, and and a lot of stuff you know started happening there, including our friends the Simonaires. Um, yeah, Senator Brian Simonair went out of his way to exploit. Veterans who commit suicide yeah. um, through his Fakakta bill regarding service animals. And we went into excruciating detail um, about his, his bill, which doesn't do what it says it's going to do. And the number of times throughout the year, it wasn't just March, throughout the year that Brian Simonair tried to prop up his political career on the backs of, of veterans who, who, who were trying to kill themselves or have killed themselves. Yeah, it, it, it was, and you covered this in some depth, and it was some of the depth. And it was some of the most read pieces that we had this year were Senator Simonair ostensibly putting in, you know, a puppy dog's veterans bill to get his name in the paper. As he is wont to do. As he is wont to do. The small ball kind of thing. We talked about it for years. Nobody's against service dogs for veterans. And if it helps them with PTSD, that's great. But what he did was he was trying to squeeze every uh, every ounce of juice out of the lemon and started calling it some sort of suicide prevention he was saving lives that's not originally what the bill said that wasn't originally the bill's purpose that really wasn't you know the sole purpose of of what these um this program was doing as brian pointed out if there were service members getting these or former service member veterans who were getting these dogs who were really in any sort of danger of harming themselves they weren't eligible to participate and the it was kind of insulting and condescending that every service member who got a a veteran who got one of these service dogs was on the verge of, you know, a sui- PTSD caused suicide. Um, and he was clearly exploiting it for a political gain. And that's what he was doing. Get his name in the paper. He's saving veterans. He's preventing suicides by, you know, putting a little bit of our tax money towards helping a beneficial animal charity. And 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 Brian, I think, properly called him out and was pretty, was you know, and Brian, as he's wont to do, was pretty insistent on it. 
calling him out for, you know, going too far with it. By the way, while ignoring a lot of the big issues that were going on in the legislature. Uh, again, as the good senator is wont to do. So that that, that certainly came up in, in March. Meanwhile, his daughter was insinuating that voters in Anne Arundel County were racist and sexist. This was when it was talking about the Board of Education bill and wanted right. to, was opposing a totally elected Board of Education here in Anne Arundel County because she didn't think that the voters in this county would elect people of color or women. Right. This was where the Republicans trying to get a fully elected school board were fighting not only the Democrats, but apparently the Simon Ayers. Uh, ultimately, they were successful, which we'll get to in a second, was the big success, I think probably the biggest success of, of this year's session uh, in getting a, a fully elected school board. Um, and we'll have those elections going forward. Uh, but it was ridiculous to hear Delegate Simon Air, who's not running for reelection, we know now, um, kind of just parrot the Democratic talking points about how we can't let the hoi polloi elect members of the school board because they're all racist crackers and there won't be any diversity. I mean, it's literally the things that Pam Beidel was saying right. um, at, at, for years. And it's it's insulting to the voters and it's ridiculous. And I'm glad ultimately it didn't prevail. But it was very frustrating and worthy of criticism. Brewers also became a subject in March. When yeah, they we, did. When we started when yeah, the did. bill, the, the Guinness bill, if you will, started going through the, the General Assembly. And, yeah. and ultimately, the bill that was ultimately signed was not nearly as onerous as the bill originally was when it was being introduced by um, you know, by, by Democrats in the General Assembly. Right. But at the time, it exposed... The uh, the Democrats in the General Assembly for what they are, which is against business and against, you know, allowing small independent producers to to thrive. Well, and, and this was another one. Again, we go back to the state Senate. This was another one where it sailed through the House, this bad bill. And then the Senate got a hold of it and said, wait a minute, this isn't so good. We need to change it. Uh, I, unfortunately, some of our friends, some of our, our, our good Republican friends that had gone along with this in the House got kind of caught up and some of them felt they got, you know, they, they got left out in the cold here when it went to the Senate. But the thing that we said at the time and the thing that and this issue was still going on, by the way, um, the with thing we were saying at the time was the talk of this three tier system that we have, this talk of this compromise, you know, kind of the way we do it in Annapolis kind of talk that that some folks on both sides were were buying into um led to some really bad legislation getting to the state senate and when it kind of you know some rewarding and some light of day got in state senators said wait a minute this is too far we got to do something about it ended up fixing a little bit the bill that ended up passing uh but you know the the comptroller's gotten involved in this and and there'll be fights over going further with it but there hasn't yet been the real true policy examination of why do we need this distributor level? Why do we need to preserve jobs of people who are Middlemen. alcohol distributors in the state? Follow um, the money is the answer. Well, there's a lot of campaign contributions, and it's easy to say people are going to lose their jobs because there are people who work for alcohol distributors no question about it there's a lot of alcohol distributors who have and have had jobs in state governments funny how incestuous that is um not but, in maryland that's nutty but just be you know but just because they have jobs doing it doesn't mean that from a policy perspective from a consumer perspective from a free market perspective having this intermediary level and having rules where 
breweries who want to sell their products in their own building have to sell it to a distributor and then buy it back. There's no reason why that justifies that. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about health or safety issues. We're talking about purely economic issues that the government ought to be really out of. And hopefully some of our free market friends in the General Assembly will get the message on that as well and support some of the things the comptroller's doing. The other big issue that, that broke in March was the Democrats' trash compact, the redistricting issue, where the Democrats refused to talk about real redistricting reform and instead wanted to enter into a FACACTA compact with six other states in the Mid-Atlantic region, saying that they would we would only enter into redistricting reform if six other states also signed on to redistricting reform and only at the congressional level. The issue where, frankly, I care less about than than I do legislative redistricting reform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the Republicans control the House. If we picked up two or three seats in Maryland, it wouldn't make that big a difference. The real issue is state level legislative redistricting. And this was the Democrats trying to, you know, it was a fig leaf. They can't they can't deny that what's stopping this reform that the governor's proposing from happening is naked partisanship. And so their argument is appealing to the partisans on their side that having a nonpartisan um, commission like the governor wants is unilateral disarmament because North Carolina or Michigan or someplace else is hyperpartisan the other way. So right. we have to be hyperpartisan our way. You know, we can't give up our nukes until they give up their nukes. And um, it's it's not it's not a legitimate argument. And what really it really kills them with independent voters and good government voters and voters who, frankly, aren't going to go along with doing something they that is unpopular and that they know is wrong just to preserve the Democrats monopoly on power. In April, uh, Greg and I celebrated a bit of a victory where we finally got the elected school board here in Anne Arundel County. Pass, that was a big one. A big, I think that was one victory. of the biggest successes out of last year's general. Oh, it was session. the biggest success in my personal opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. We also we also learned about uh, House Bill six thirty one, which is the the pharmaceutical bill um, that will raise the price of generic drugs, and how Vinnie DeMarco shockingly is yeah. funded by the same people. Uh, the big pharma that would benefit from the that opposition, bill. I think, came in too late in the session on that bill and weren't and ultimately, able to derail it. And, and ultimately, able Governor to, Hogan did allow the bill to become. Well, I mean, look, uh, it got pretty wide majorities in both houses. So, you know, going to the governor to ask him to to, you know, bail him out. He's got to pick his battles. And yeah, you know. We also had a controversy at Hood College regarding bulletin board where the Hood, Hood College Republicans put a bulletin board up showing conservative values and it became a flashpoint nationwide um, about conservatism on campus. Yeah. A lot of triggering, a lot of microaggressions alleged. It was. I personally thing. am not a, lot a fan of, of snowflakes. Mi- I'm not a personally a fan of microaggressions. I'm personally a fan of macroaggressions. <laughs> It was silly. It yeah. was it was another example of colleges opposing free speech. Uh, the campaign for liberty in Baltimore County, who was always frequently uh, complaining about county level issues, none of them showed up to a budget hearing in Baltimore County, which I think is one of the bigger stories of the year that went underreported because we have a lot of groups like this in Maryland, groups right. that that are Facebook warriors, you know, internet warriors. Right. When the t- when it's when it's go time, when it's time to actually influence policy, influence politics, eh, they can't be bothered. Yeah, you know, there was a hearing in Baltimore County a couple weeks ago on the Section 8 housing issues and some other issues. That they show up for. But a real budget issue, which you would think Campaign for Liberty would be spending and taxes would be number one. Not so much. 
they they campaigned and raised money on some of those issues, but when it actually came to showing up to do something let me, about and it, let me and let me so tell much. you something else too. That feeds into the stereotype. You know, if you have campaign for liberty types who don't show up to fight the budget, but show up to fight Section Eight, that feeds into negative stereotypes about conservatism. Well, if you, uh, if you know what uh, I'm putting uh, down, if you want to help, you don't help. Yeah. You know, if you but it more of the stereotypes about who those guys really are. And sometimes stereotypes have a grain of truth. And, and in April, um, you know, the, in, in network news, uh, it was the end of the Red Maryland News Hour, where Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne Keenan signed off. We said goodbye to Dwayne. We miss Dwayne. We'd love for him to come back. Dwayne, the door's always open. I don't know if he's gotten the RV and taken off yet, uh, but uh, we we miss him. It's not the same without Dwayne around here. Uh, in May, Governor Hogan was actually attacked by Delegate Andrew Platt for being a cancer survivor, and, and the excuse for the attack being that Governor Hogan vetoed the the Democrats' onerous sick leave bill. Yeah. I mean, the sick leave thing's going to come back, but the Democrats are so frustrated and have been with the governor's continuing popularity. Um, they've thrown everything at him and nothing seems to stick. And I think at, in, a, in a fit of frustration and, you know, particular nonsensicalness, like that word, um, they... they <laughs> take umbrage they you know they ascribe his popularity to the fact that he had cancer and everybody's just being nice to him because he had cancer which is nonsense of course um, it's nonsense uh proved by his continuing popularity long after he's been cancer free right but this is the, what they never seem to acknowledge is that maybe their policy proposals aren't very popular maybe the way they've run the state and want to run the state isn't what most managers and, it, and want. it doesn't help that in may they admitted when we first started talking about this federal tax bill, right. they admitted that state taxes are too high. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help. They did that back in back in May, and we've seen the culmination of that. Congress actually got something passed, and you know, and again, and they're still go- stepping on the rake to this day. Yeah, and the governor's running circles around them still on yeah. this issue. Uh, the governor is playing checkers. The Democrats are really just pissing their pants. I, I don't know if that's the metaphor you wanted to make, but they are. <laughs> They haven't figured it out yet. Right. Uh, speaking of people who didn't fit quite figure it out, Ami Hober back in the news in May uh, because she was telling everybody during the campaign and, and, and since then that she was a big Trump supporter, and we got wind that she was actually not so much a Trump supporter. Yeah, another one of these things where she's this member of this really anti-Trump Facebook group. Um, and it's not so much that she was opposed to Trump. Some people wouldn't like that. But that she tried to have it both ways, which she right. tries to do on a lot of issues. And she's not good at it. And in this time and place, you can't really get away with yeah, it. Right this now. isn't 1960 where you can say one thing to one group yeah. and another thing to another group and yeah. nobody nobody would know know the difference. Yeah, everything's online forever. Yeah, and and we also got some fun with our, our local media back in, in May, too. That's where we first learned of the Arundel Patriot, yeah, uh, the left-wing, just complete shit-for-brains group yeah. uh, here in Anne Arundel County that are just full of lefties who just you know salivate and just type I mean they 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 are obsessed with Michael Perutka in ways that are really unhealthy that are that are going to help him get reelected yeah. frankly yeah, they because are. because because the republicans see these radical lefties and always going after him on stuff one they'll get tired of hearing about it it's stuff we reported when the guy ran the first time it might be yeah. stuff that they don't like but after some point they're you know it's it's going to be the boy who cried wolf right and all they're going to end up, ha- they're, you know, they're going to be a very determined 30 percent of the vote in Anne Arundel County. If that. And they're going to they're glass cleaned. 
and they're going to wonder why. And we also got into another scrap with City Paper uh, about about marijuana and racism. Yeah. These these Jagoffs think that if you point out that marijuana is a federal crime that is illegal federally, that that makes you a racist. And they wonder why their paper went out of business. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It was crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how long the Baltimore beat lasts before it goes toes up, too. Uh, June was a quiet month, as it usually is. But our, our top story of the year, by the way, believe it or not, as far as page views goes, not a story I would have expected. But um, it was about how the new executive director of the Maryland Democratic Party was involved in an ugly super PAC scandal. Yeah, this story had a lot of legs all over the place, and, and uh, a lot of people were very interested in this, so it was fascinating. And just goes back to the entire culture of corruption that we have here in Maryland. Much and, also, like- and also another good example of how we don't understand the Internet, but it's a great story. <laughs> a lot of people read it. So, And speaking of the culture of corruption, uh, talking about uh, Senate President Mike Miller, um, who's going to have a bad day when he reads the paper tomorrow, and um, yeah, talking about his, whether or not he perjured himself related to the court case regarding regarding redistricting. Yeah, and this is a case that's headed to the Supreme Court. It is heading to the Supreme Court, so. yes. Um, talking about congressional redistricting here in Maryland. Well, Greg, we've made it to June. Why don't we go ahead and take our take a break, uh, a commercial break. And uh, when we come back, we I know will, what kind of break we, you meant. We, we don't will, have to be specific we in will, that regard. We will touch base with the rest of 2017 and look towards the future. Yes. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland Talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters, you're listening to the Red Maryland Network. Well, because they got great banter. They jib-jab. Jib-jab, jib-jab, jib-jab. I use it for the car. Because my stereo is busted.
And we are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. The dulcet tones of I Am Santa Claus, Bob Rivers. Greg, you remember when Bob Rivers was here in Baltimore? Do you not? I do, of yeah, course. He, Wicked uh, good. Thanks for asking is what he, he said. Uh, people asked him how he was. In, in April of 1988, almost 30 years ago now, he uh, went on the air. For how many days in a row was he on the air? He, w- he went on the air until the Orioles finally won. It was like 30 games. I don't know how many they days they ended up. They 0-21. Yeah. They're yeah. like 30 days. Yeah, well, he w- he didn't go on until, like, part of the way through. You know, it was after. Oh, okay. I don't know then. Okay, well. I don't know. I'm trying to answer your question. I remember. Okay. Um, that won't happen next year to the Orioles, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll get you a list of good movies you can watch next season. Yeah, we'll still go to the games. Um, <laughs> the big story in July, Greg, picking yes. back up where we left off in, 2000, in 2017. That's right. Uh, what's our 10th anniversary? That was really the big story of July. Uh, it was, and and we had a great turnout, and all the folks who came out and celebrated with us and wished us well. It was a great celebration. Yeah, and the one fun. thing the one thing we did that we didn't do at our fifth anniversary was we didn't try to do a radio show. Our friend Andrew Langer mm-hmm. was there, and he recorded a podcast for the Langer Cast. Yes, he did. Um, but uh, we were able to just enjoy ourselves and and greet people and welcome them, and everybody was fantastic, and all the people who supported it. It was a great event. Great it, event. It, it really was. Um, other things that happened in in July, and I don't know how many of these you want to you want to get to. We still got a lot to, to go through on the show. We get the highlights. Um, Kirby Delauder had another month. That's when he hired Cam Harris, but it's also right. when he attacked John McCain for having you know right after John McCain was announced uh, of having cancer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, some people put the ass in class, Greg. <laughs> again, you know you can it, you don't have the chops of Donald Trump. Donald Trump may be able to get away with that. Um, maybe, but you know, Kirby DeLauder can't, and hey, he, and he shows that. And and speaking of county executive campaigns that may not be yeah. too far off the ground, that's when we uh, we, that's when John Grasso announced he was running for Anne Arundel County Executive. Though I will admit, I have not seen a whole hell of a lot about that. He announced that months. on our show. Yes, he he did. That was the beginning of August, our most listened to show of the year by far. By the way, this year, yeah. Um. And what a weird week that was for everybody. Um, yeah. Well, because we had been critical of what he was doing. He was out. He was criticizing the governor. He was criticizing the county executive. Threatening to run for governor. Uh, yeah. And, who, and, and originally we thought he might run for state senate. Some people think he still may. I don't think so. Uh, but the state party was kind of moving on from him. Dirk Hare, our new party chairman, uh, didn't have had some very unflattering things to say about him. Um, we were talking about it. We were also critical of council, uh, Councilman Grasso. He's no longer chairman. Councilman Grasso. And um, he took great umbrage with it. And then, you know, then he came on the show in August. Yeah, and in August he came on the show, did a monologue. and, and Yeah, he didn't want to have a discussion. Chickened out before we got to ask any questions. But, but I mean, it was great radio because he announced, unbeknownst to us, this has never happened before on the show. He announced nobody has ever announced they were running for office on our show and not tell us, but had told the local newspaper. Yes. So had told the local newspaper that he was going to announce on our show. Yeah. We literally were on the air reading the article in the Annapolis Capitol that he announced that he was running on our show. Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's it's which is crazy. It is crazy. Other what else was crazy? Um, is the fact that Maryland for Trump, the or, the the rump organization of of the Trump campaign in Maryland, right? They started siding with the Democrats to attack the governor. 
Yeah, that, that you don't hear much from those guys anymore. No, not yeah. so much. Yeah, so, I think the, I think somebody got, the, got dispatched. I think there they got the message. <laughs> uh, they got the memo. Yeah. Um, and and another another crazy thing that happened in yeah. in in July, and it was kind of one of those things that was July and August. Um, the the Young Republican National Convention came to Annapolis That's in right. August. In July, we broke the story about a controversy related to a White House visit. Um, drama. Yeah, a lot of drama that was related to uh, the, the National Committee woman of the Maryland Republican Party, Nikki Ambrose, trying to, to swing the favor. Um, the voter's choice for least valuable conservative last year. Correct. Um, trying to yeah. um, swing the election for Maryland Young Republican Chairman Cory Boone, who was running for national chairman at the time, right. and, and trying to vet the people who got to go on the White House tour, trying to eliminate anybody who may have been critical of, of President Trump at any point, but also trying to make sure that only people who supported Boone's candidacy for national chairman uh, got to go. Yeah, it worked like a charm, by the yeah. way. Yeah, he got his ass kicked uh, pretty, pretty handily. But the convention itself, um, as it turned out, was kind of everything that I always feared it would be. Um, it was kind of a kind of a mess insofar as, you know, of, of organization. It distracted from the reelection campaigns of, of Mayor Panellides in Annapolis, an ultimately right. unsuccessful campaign. And I'm not I'm certainly not saying that that's why he lost, but it didn't help that you had Republican Party folks distracted um, with this convention. And, you know, it it is what it is. And it is. And it's over now. And, and it. Everything that I said about the convention two years ago uh, came true. Let's just put it that way, yeah, about, about it go. being a giant distraction. One thing that's not a distraction, Greg, is the fact that in July I, I started writing for the Capitol. God, has it been that long? It but has been so. that long. Wow, all right. And it's people are still, mm, they're doing st- a great job. Thank you. You're thank doing you. a great job. And again, tomorrow's, <laughs> tomorrow's Capitol is not, the, the, the op-ed is going to piss people off. Just heads up. Okay, everybody. all right. Um, Good. I still, I'm still not sure we, you're getting there, but I still don't think we've had full Brian Griffiths yet. Maybe tomorrow will be the. Um, I will say this: the 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 draft that was submitted <laughs> is not. No, I mean, I I the first draft that I wrote before sending in was a lot angrier than what ultimately I sent. Right. In. Okay. Let's okay. put it that way. All right. Um, August was a a huge month. For us at Red Maryland, first was, off, uh, first off here in Maryland we had the Tawny yeah. statue uh, removal, yeah. Yeah. which which of course Greg wrote a piece critical of the governor, yeah. um, which again I don't think we get enough credit for the fact that when the governor is right he's right and we support him, but we are we are willing to say that we disagree with the governor on things and this was an issue that we did. Yeah, and it got noted. Obviously, it was I was quoted on the front page of the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post and. And the New York Times. I was in the New York Times as well on the front page of the Sunday Times talking about these issues, um, which is frustrating a little bit because, you know, and even in the article, I said, look, this is wrong. The governor's got it wrong. Uh, the governor had it right. He acted. He made a mistake, took some bad advice, uh, but he's still far and away the guy who needs to be reelected. Um, but, you know, it wasn't lost on anybody. I, I don't think the governor was very happy about uh, I'm sure he wasn't very happy reading what we said, but I, I'm sure he understood. I don't think he was very happy about that whole incident. No. Luckily, though, to our credit, and Brian deserves credit for coming up with the idea, though none of us in our wildest dreams imagined oh what would God. happen, is we decided to take the offensive on this and do a an online petition to save the Maryland state flag. We'd been talking about 
how there were planned attacks on the state song, which is still coming, by the way, and this article that had been in the Baltimore Sun essentially setting up the state flag for the same kind of, of attack for being Confederate and racist and everything else uh, that the song and the Tawny statue had been attacked with. So we said, hey, let's save our flag. And obviously we touched a nerve. Yeah, and again, I, it's still not, to, you know, for, for an idea that I had while I was stuck in a delay at an airport. Okay. Yeah. Um, never in my wildest dreams did I think that two weeks later we'd have 53,000 signatures um, that we wind up, you know, the, the number of interviews we wound up doing. Yeah. Me trying to rig up a, 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 a Skype TV. Because you were out of, town, while, I was as, out of town. As you often are on vacation. One of your 25 vacations this year. <laughs> and so what happened was, you know, we, we put it out there on like a Friday or something. It was like it was like late Friday night, early sat Saturday morning. It might have been we like were talking. We were talking about. I think we did. Didn't we do a show earlier in the week, like a Tuesday or something? We did this show like earlier in the week, like a special Tuesday oh, edition. Oh, you're talking about. Okay, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about. So it was out. You're the, talking about how the petition came out the Friday before. Right. We did a Tuesday show that right. week. You are correct. Right. And and that Tuesday and it, it was during. The it was show. blowing up during the show. And as it was blowing, hundreds of thousands of signatures, then the governor, the next morning, um, issues something on Facebook saying, I support this, and I've, I've heard, your, heard your cries, and I absolutely support you. And then it really blew up. Right. Because then the media got a hold of it and ran with it. The Democrats lost their damn minds. You know, we're not doing anything. We didn't say anything. Even the guy who wrote the article saying how Confederate and and white supremacist the state flag was he starts backpedaling like an nhl defenseman and um all kinds of media uh brian gets this offer to be on tv which we rarely ever do tv and For brian's up in canada and I was I, in new york in new york it's the same thing and um sorry <laughs> we have friends from new york it's the same thing um with the, temperature, upstate, with the temperatures that's going to be there it was next upstate week, New York. it might as well be Canada. It was upstate New York. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, and you pulled it off and did a magnificent job. Yeah, it's amazing. Trying to rig up a laptop in my in-laws' garage was was pretty pretty remarkable. But, um, and look, it's a slow news time. We were hitting a nerve that was going on in the country, and we basically shut down state politics and just seized control of the narrative for about a solid four or five days. It was, and it yeah. was the most unreal thing I think that's ever happened in the history of Red Maryland. It was awesome. It was awesome. And again, we it was we we could do a million things and nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine go nowhere. But this one, we caught lightning in the bottle, absolutely, and. You know, the state party was happy with what we did. We got feedback from the governor. The governor was happy to go on the offensive. I right. think his campaign learned something from that whole experience. That's why the peace cross thing he got in, he got in front of. Um, and, and uh, you know, we'll see how these issues play out in the General Assembly session, whether, whether, you know, the Democrats really do go after the state song and these other things or whether they kind of stay in kind of the backwater where they have in the past. Um, and, you know, I think part of the problem was we had this horrible incident in Charlottesville. Everybody overreacted, thinking this is what was going to happen every week from their point on. And it didn't happen. And things calmed down and people started, you know, the, 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 the excitement and the irrationality of the moment waned. And uh, people started, you know, moving on to other things. In September, uh, some of our favorites had a bad month. Kevin Kamenitz, we... 
We exposed yeah. some of the corruption that, that he wanted for the state of Maryland, which, right. again, you know, Kevin Kamenetz is just a walking uh, goofball. Yeah. Talk about stepping on rakes. That guy. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we had two, not one, but two candidates in Frederick County for county executive violate campaign finance laws in the same week. In yeah. the same week. Yeah. First, our, our, our good friend Kirby DeLauder did it. And then immediately after, Kathy Avzali did it. Yeah. And, and just, you know, and. The, the rules are really clear, and you have to be clear about it. And, you know, again, you're running for a countywide off a county that's probably, I don't think it's bigger than a congressional seat, but it's pretty big. Close. It's pretty close. And so, you know, you got to mind your P's and Q's. And you got the little, you got to get the details right. At the same time in September, that's when we learned that the Baltimore area Young Republicans organization was going to abandon the elections here in Maryland and go campaign in Virginia for a lot yeah. of a hell of a lot of good that did. Well,. It didn't do any good in Virginia. I don't know if it would change the outcome here in Maryland, but at least they'd save gas money. Um, and it was, and they should have stayed here because God knows we needed the help more. And it obviously didn't make a lick of difference in Virginia. October kind of uh, peaked up a lot of things going on. Our biggest story, of course, was the Kerwin Commission coming back with, a, with, again, recommendations to reform education by spending more money on it. Yeah, about three billion, three to five billion dollars a year. I mean, a huge, like a thirty percent increase in state spending on education. It's looming. We, it's not being reported about enough. These guys want to jack up state spending, and this is what the Democrats are looking for to do it. If any Democrat gets elected, you're going to see state spending get jacked up. Just like we saw with Thornton, and there isn't the money there to pay for it, they're going to have to raise and, taxes. And one of the reasons that's going to happen is because the Maryland State Education Association uh, has decided that it wants to be the pro- a progressive policy you know, political shop yeah. more so than it wants to be representing uh, representing teachers. And, and it showed the bigotry against conservative teachers in the teachers' union. The Democrats, uh, who basically are, are owned by MSEA leadership, uh, you know, are you know they 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 get to have this rally on taxpayer time. Yeah, we talked about that. And you know, they basically expose themselves as being first and foremost leftist organizers, as opposed to teachers who are representing other teachers. That's right. And this is something, of course, that I went up writing about in the Capitol, which got a response back from the MSEA president. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, which just kind of again exposes the fact that the MSEA is a political organization more so than it is a union. Yeah. Uh, well. It's a public employee union who's dedicated to having not only a monopoly on public education uh, as the as the only alternative for education, but more and more tax resources poured into um, public education, which directly benefits their constituencies. I mean, it's the problem with having public sector unions is that you create an organization funded with tax dollars whose express political goal is to grow government. Yeah. And one of the favorites of that group is Kevin Kamenetz, who yeah. was at the very same time we wrote about how he has been neglecting Lansdowne High School. Just the, the horrible conditions at Lansdowne High School. We had pictures. We, we talked about what was going on there. It was talked about at the Board of Public Works meeting. And this ties into Kamenetz's longstanding record, um, you know, where he was sending kids to schools in hot schools with no air conditioning. And it just... You know, it, it, it goes to show you what the priority of the MSEA is. It's getting Democrats elected. No, You know, their record, any of this stuff, uh, be damned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we had another candidate for governor of Maryland, Chris Vignaraja, show that she wasn't ready for prime time because she yeah. had, the, had the nerve 
to dis- announce she was running for governor without bothering to see if she was actually eligible to serve in the office. And, you know, she took a lot of questions about it. And, and I remember that great interview that Tom Sherwood did, the D.C. journalist, did with her on the radio, on a left-wing radio show. And she never really addressed the questions, and she still hasn't really addressed the questions. She's filed some lawsuit that's just sitting there and may well get thrown out because she hasn't actually filed, and it may, and, her, and her claim may not be ripe is the legal term. Uh, but she's just going out campaigning like nothing's wrong. This is a threshold issue that she's never adequately addressed or put to bed and never answered the detailed questions that she would need to answer. Uh, she just assumes she's eligible and insists she's eligible and has never never answered the tough questions about what she was doing because she lived in D.C. You know, and the more she actually did talk about it when she first when she first started the worse she made it for herself. Right. And she just made a strategic decision. I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. But she hasn't really answered the questions. No. And, and you presume at some point, she, look, she's never going to get the nomination. Of course not. She's not going to get anywhere near it. Um, but when, she, when it comes to filing, at some point, the, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, and I think the fact that I, it's, just, it's just fascinating because the media has given up asking her about it. Yeah. You know, they'll put a couple sentences at the end of every article about her mentioning it, but they've given up doing their job really critically examining her eligibility to run. One uh, one other group of of uh, of leftists who are just can't take a hint and go away is that we have the situation here in Anne Arundel County where we have a bunch of woke leftists. They're tied in with the Arundel Patriot folks that we we talked about earlier who started going and are continuing to go, by the way. To Anne Arundel County Council meetings with the sole purpose of just complaining about Mike Bruca. Yeah, it's just it's just a waste of time. It's a distraction. The more they do it, the less effective they become, if they ever were effective at all. And again, it's a really strident, you know, thirty percent that they're going to get. Because look, I, I have not heard. Look, no Democrat's going to defeat Baruka. If they didn't do it last time, they're not going to do it next time around. Correct. I haven't even heard of a candidate running here. Maybe they're maybe they're running somebody. If you're gonna, if you really, really hate Mike Peruca and you want him out, you're gonna have to get a Republican to defeat him. You can't beat somebody with nobody. Um, and we've talked about maybe there's some stealth candidates or something in that race. We'll right. talk more as we get into next year. But you know, the if if it's a general election with Mike Peruca as a Republican nominee, unless unless Mike Peruca, who has managed to really not say a lot of really stupid things. And not really be a crazy guy, so you know. And kind of hang out with guys like Roy Moore a little less. Yeah, but but you know what? He has a history with Roy Moore, so he can't I, run away I from that. Agree. Um, and and when he's on the council with guys like Grasso and Walker, it's kind of easy to blend into the background a little bit more. It's kind of hard to stand out as a crazy person in that group, <laughs> um, or controversial, or say things that are out of line. Um, so you know, if he gets look, if he gets to the general election against some against some left-wing Democrat who's, you know, one of these woke leftist Rundle Patriot kind of candidates. He'll cream them. He'll, he'll walk to re-election. Yeah. Somebody who isn't walking anywhere at the moment is Azami Hober, who in October had herself a bit of a month. First, she decided that she was going to imply that Governor Hogan had endorsed her, when she, he has not endorsed anybody in this race. Right. And then she ta- started attacking a fellow candidate, Matt Mossberg, um, over... 
you know, over opioid abuse. Yeah. When Mossberg, himself a recovering opioid addict, we've talked with him here several times on the network, yeah. um, is making that a centerpiece of his campaign. It just goes to show kind of the point you made earlier, Greg, that Ami Hubbard is a, a candidate that just has, does not have the skills to be elected to office. Yeah, I, we don't know how that race is going to shake out, who she's going to end up running against, so we'll see how things go. But, um, yeah. Yeah, she's stumbled at times, and we'll see. I mean, again, somebody's got to beat her, I guess. Yeah, November was not a great month to start with because, first off, uh, as you said, it was a total bloodbath in Annapolis and, and Frederick. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, whole lot of positive stories to, to come out of that. At the same time, we had uh, Brian Frosch ignoring an order from the governor to defend the state of Maryland in court which I've argued is an impeachable offense. This relates back to the uh, defense of the Bladensburg Peace Cross and, and right. the state's interest in that. And Frosch has just said, no, I'm not going to do it. And, uh, you know, again, if the attorney general doesn't want to do his job, quit and find, you know, find somebody who, who will do the job that is assigned to him in the Constitution. Yeah, it's pretty clear what he's doing. It's frustrating that, you know, we don't even have a candidate to run against him. Yeah, I, I agree. Greg Klein. No, a good candidate. <laughs> uh, and Montgomery County had some news. First off, there were racist flyers posted on Montgomery County uh, Republican Party headquarters. Yeah. And we haven't quite gotten down to the to the bottom of who was behind that. I know that there were video cameras. I'm, I'm not certain whatever actually became of that story. Um, we haven't we have not heard any additional news beyond it happening. Right. But later in, in November, as we mentioned earlier, Dick Jorgina was thrown out as as yeah. chairman and replaced with the more much more competent Mark Unkemper. You know, it's funny you wrote just to go back to the previous story. You wrote about these flyers. There was some you know crazy alt right group that was putting these things, um, and people saw the pictures and and went to the website that was on the pictures. We didn't put a link at redmaryland.com. Uh, but there was you know there were some commenters on Facebook like, what's the problem with with these guys? What's the problem with yeah. these flyers? And we're like, okay, see. You're not quite getting. If you went to the website, I think you'd understand a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's a problem. And and in November too, uh, we had the Election Integrity Commission released its report. The the ad hoc committee here in the Maryland Republican Party. Yeah, which is at redmaryland.com. Check it yeah, out. Go ahead Absolutely. and check that out. And of course, we had our 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 convention show our, at, at the Maryland Republican Party convention. Two hours of of fun and frivolity and 14 interviews. Yeah, and less than less than stellar sound quality, but we'll work on that. It was a great show. We had a great time. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, content wise, A plus. Definitely, sound definitely. wise, eh, C. C is, C is generous. Gentleman C. <laughs> Gentleman C. Um, but uh, so we'll approve that. But it was a great time. We learned a lot. It was fascinating. And I think the best content parts, the sound quality is actually very good. Yes. So when we interviewed Tony McConkey and. Or I should say, Jerry Walker, then Tony McConkie back to back, which was really the highlight of that show. That that's crystal clear. You're not going to have a problem hearing that, um, and it's and it is engaging and fascinating. And you know, uh, next year, which we'll talk about here in a second, is going to be wild. Yeah, and and here in December, there's been a lot of stuff going on in December. It has not been a quiet December, really. Um, yeah. We we had we've been we've been I've been writing about our Maryland and kind of exposing them as you know they're they're trying to be this faux progressive left wing you know woke leftist group but in actuality they're really nothing more than the Democratic establishment in sheep's clothing. We've had uh, the Ben Jealous Medicare for All scheme, which is just totally insane and ludicrous. I wrote a long piece at Red Maryland about that. Also wrote about it in the Capitol. 
um, which has got some people's pants in a bunch, of course. Well, as um, it should. We, we, you know, the Baltimore Sun discovered black liquor and all of the other unclean energies that are um, labeled as clean energies in the renewable portfolio standard, something that we have been writing about at Red Maryland for 10 years. It's funny. Since it's, day one. Right. It's funny when it was O'Malley allowing it to happen to help his green bona fides. The Baltimore Sun couldn't care less. But now that you've got Governor Hogan and and you know he's he's still you know doing whatever compliance with these standards that the legislature is mandating. Now suddenly, now oh, this a is a, this is a big problem. Did you know this was going on? Has no one ever checked into this? Yes, actually, we have. Yeah, we've been looking at it. Hi, how you doing? When the when the story was O'Malley's a hypocrite when he talks about clean energy, or worse, crickets, crickets. When it's hey, we're not really complying with with. With this, because uh, this stuff really isn't that clean. How is it? How has no? <laughs> it's an old joke. Has no one checked into this? Has no one investigated yeah. this? Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and you know, we 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 talked about the Kathleen Matthews fiasco with sure. her attacking Governor Hogan and all these other people for not making statements about Roy Moore when at the same time her husband right. is one of the very sexual harassers that she's going on about. And even now, you know, with with still developing news with Governor Hogan's. Um, you know, first off, Governor Hogan's new transportation plan. We didn't talk about any of his transportation plans, which he's he's doing a lot of great things in transportation and crime. His his efforts to reduce crime and and you know we we did a piece a couple weeks ago about how the uh, the 2013 Firearm Safety Act hasn't reduced firearm um, mm-hmm. homicides uh, at, at all, and and the governor has really taken that issue on, and it's something. That will be, as we talk about next year, is going to be front and center in next year's General Assembly session. Yeah. And, and, and in the and, campaign. And now, you know, and now the governor trying to, to hold the line on on taxes and make sure that protect Maryland taxpayers yeah. from from the federal tax reform, which puts the Democrats at a catch 22. Well, um, great book, by the way. I just finished reading. Uh, but I could never get into it. It was it's 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 good. It's interesting. Uh, but anyway, the point is. The, the Democrats are saying, oh, Maryland just got to pay more in taxes because of these changes in Washington. The governor's like, OK, well, let's fix it then. So they yeah. don't have to. Oh, we can't do oh, that. Oh, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. If the Democrats want to be you know, against giving a tax break in an election year to middle and working class Marylanders, then they right. are dumber than I think they are. Well, you keep getting these you keep getting these reports that because of these changes, there'll be hundreds of millions of dollars in additional revenue coming to the state from people who are going to paying more in state income tax because of the changes in the budget or changes in the tax deductions they would get. Right. And the governor's like, okay, well, let's fix it um, because we don't need the money. I can balance the budget without having people pay more on taxes. So let's let's make sure we get that back to them and fix whatever is out of whack. Yeah. And they're like, well, that may just be a one-time thing, and we don't really want to do that and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, it exposes the lie that what came out of Washington was a tax increase because it won't be for most Marylanders. And the, the, the reason that some Marylanders may pay more in taxes because we have state high state and local taxes here, high property taxes, yeah. and that's what needs to be fixed ultimately. Well, and ultimately this will go into 2018, and Greg, as this is a good segue to, to looking forward to, to 2018, yeah. um, first, um, politically speaking, of course, the General Assembly session will be coming up. Certainly there won't be too many big policy proposals, you have to think, getting out of the General Assembly. Everybody's going to be posturing for... Uh, for the election, obviously, the governor's tax bill uh, will be coming forward. The Democrats will try to override 
the the sick leave veto. But yeah. let's face it, the General Assembly session is not going to be really necessarily about the 90 days. Everybody's going to be focused towards June and I think November. That's, I think that's true, but there are issues that are, that are going to have to be dealt with. And the governor's really pushing the agenda here. On the sick leave thing, you know, they had the Democrats had exactly enough votes to override the veto. It's gotten shaky. Yeah. The governor may be able to bring that thing back and make a better bill, which would be a great legislative victory. Yes, it he would did be. it with the roadkill bill in the past. He did it with the rain tax issue in the past. Um, he's got a chance for a real legislative victory in, in, on this issue. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, battle number one. You've got taxes and the budget because that's going to be a fight. Fixing this tax issue that's going on mm -hmm. with the changes in the federal code that are going to affect Maryland taxpayers with balancing the state budget. The governor's going to introduce a balanced state budget, still dealing with a lot of mandated spending, still dealing with a lot of unfunded mandated spending mm -hmm. going forward. Um, and attempts by Democrats to introduce new mandated spending. Yeah, that's going to be front and center. That's going to be the center of the campaigns. And that can't be avoided. They're, that's going to have to be dealt with. Um, even if it's a stalemate where the governor you know, gets his budget passed and no taxes are increased, that's still something that's got to be dealt with. The governor can then go campaign on reducing taxes right. and needing a legislator, legislature to help him do that because he's proven he can balance the budget. And your lives aren't going to come to an end. And Comptroller Franchot's uh, beer reform bill yes. will, be, will be starting to move forward Because as it's well. going to put a lot of legislators who are running for re-election who need those distributor donations in very awkward positions. Um, and it's going to, it's you know, it's a Democrat on Democrat fighting, which is going to be very interesting, too, which is always fun. Well, let's and let's move towards towards the election, because obviously, as we, we've been talking about this since the day after the last election, the day after the 2014 election. Right. How important 2018 is, how this is the biggest election of our lives, because if yeah. Governor Hogan gets yeah. reelected, we will control redistricting. Yes. But that's, you know, and, and the Democrats are going out of their way to have a, just a clown show in their primary, a race to the bottom to see how many taxes they can propose raising, how much money they can propose spending. And the Democrats are putting themselves in a position where they are going to be in deep kimchi come June 27th, trying to run their nominee against a governor who has a proven record of success. It's going to be interesting to see if, if the Democrats make an effort, can make an effort, to get their house in order to end that Democratic primary from really going off the rails, either either the far left candidate winning or successfully attacking the 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 the, not, the ultimate nominee and, and depressing liberal turnout, um, you know, or whether that person maybe wins or maybe the, the candidate who ultimately wins ends up making a lot of promises that are going to make the make him very vulnerable to the governor. The other thing we've got to keep in mind is the the legislative fights are important, particularly the state senate, because the governor is going to need those state senate seats, even if he's reelected with regard to redistricting. And you know what's going on on the national level that's going to impact it. Um, you know, Democrats, some Democrats at least are motivated. You look at the numbers; next year is not looking real great, but things are turning around. If this tax bill ends up being a big success, if the economy really takes off the way that a lot of Republicans are hopeful it will, then job numbers start getting good, economy's growing, the, 
the governor has more and more of a positive outlook that he can look at. He can make a better, better case for tax cuts uh, and for his economic program and style of governance. You know, suddenly those negatives coming out of Washington start to fade a little bit. And um, and if the Democrats keep pushing, pushing hard to the left, the governor has a great shot of, of, of winning and getting reelected because he can make a strong argument to those independents and and, uh, you know, moderate Democrats that he'll need to add to his Republican base to win. So and, and look and, and but who knows, it could go the other way, too, and it could be a disaster. And, you know, Washington really screws things up. And, and you know, we have a Virginia situation next year. We just don't know. I am much more optimistic than Greg is in that regard, even if there is issues from Washington. But I'm not going to I don't want to leave aside the fact that the governor's race is, is extremely important. But there is other stuff going on, too. I mean, we're right. going to have a county executive race in Baltimore County where you've got Al Redmer taking on Pat McDonough in the primary, plus a, a competitive Democratic primary. Yeah. You've got yeah, the gonna, Frederick County executive race where you've basically got a race to the bottom on the Republican primary side. And two general elections in both those counties as well, which are going to be really critical and really have an impact. And the governor is going to have an impact on the outcome of both of those races. Key state Senate races uh, in, in District 3 where there's a competitive Republican right. primary, District 30 where there's a competitive Republican primary. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, you've got District 42, you've got District 8, you've got District 38, and those are just some of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, con- the hotly contested primaries where you've got Republican challengers who will be going up against Democrats in districts that are potentially favorable for Republican victory. Getting Winning all five of those races, sweeping those races, gives the governor the veto-proof margin he needs in the state Senate. That's, that's the best-case scenario. The governor gets reelected, we pick up those seats— and now we've real now everything changes. Yeah. You know, as much as things have changed for the positive since Governor Hogan is reelected. And and this is something we'll be talking about a lot during the year. A lot of good things have happened and a lot of things we can point to. Just like just like people are saying with the president, there is, you know, for all the negative and the silly nonsense, you're finally starting to see some really positive things that that have been achieved. Well, Governor Hogan's been doing that for three years. And you've got a lot of really solid achievements that you can look at that he's accomplished. And and again, his popularity is a function of most Marylanders liking the way that he's running the state. Um, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see um, how things go forward. I mean, it's a huge, huge election. If, if that's the best case scenario, the worst case scenario is what the Democrats are hoping happens um, that it turns out to be something, you know, on the Virginia model and the governor loses and the Democrats actually pick up seats in the legislature and everything reverts back to Martin O'Malley or worse, depending on who their nominee is, for, you know, an indefinite period of time. That's the worst case scenario. And that's what's going to be that's that's going to be about this is the most significant election in Maryland in our lifetime because the swing is so huge. The difference between uh, the governor getting reelected and, and us picking up those Senate seats versus the Democrats winning and we not getting those Senate seats is night and day. Yeah. And there's very clear data that you can show what the difference will be. The November 2000, election day in November could literally, literally, this is, again, no hyperbole, 
right. that could be the day the universe changes. Uh, Maryland will be affected. We will take one of two paths for the next decade. Yeah. It will happen in, in a way that it is, a, it is consequential more than any other election in, in, this, in this state in our lifetime. Definitely. That's not hyperbole. Yeah. That's, you can factually make that argument. Here at Red Maryland during 2018, of course, it's an election year, so we will be all geared up for particularly yeah. for Republican the Republican primaries, of course, which are going to be fun. Um, which are going to be fun. A lot we, of fun and, ones, I guarantee you that. And, and, and look, you know, we're we're looking to expand shows, as I mentioned. We're talking with a couple people now. Yeah. Um, as there are other there are other things moving in lots of places right now that we're not talking about at the moment. Um, you know, where we may have one or two more shows growing the network. Hey, look, if you want to help write about this election, we'd love to hear from you. Redmaryland at gmail.com. Drop us yeah. a line. We'll talk about how you can be part of the team. Um, but Red Maryland, we're going to be very aggressive when it comes to, uh, more so than I think we ever have been before, when it comes to getting, you know, trying to figure out the ABCs of these candidates, where they stand on issues, um, you know, what their ph- governing philosophy yeah. is going to be. We're going to heavily uh, involve ourselves in endorsing candidates in races that we think are important. Um, and I'll tell you straight up, Greg, and you know this, we've had this conversation. Right. Central Committee races are very important to us this year. Yeah. That is going to be a priority. We're, we're putting a lot of resources both on the blog side and on the network side into getting information about candidates out to our audience. That's a real big focus, especially leading up to the primary of what we're doing. Um, Election Focus is a show we've dedicated to doing that. And we're going to be interviewing Central Committee candidates. I had a conversation with a Central Committee candidate who's like, well, I didn't even know you anybody cared about these races. We're like, yeah, we care. Yeah. They're important. And uh, I know Brian is, is doing something similar on the blog side. So you're going to see a lot of information about these candidates. We're at, at the end of the day, when you go into the voting booth in June, redmaryland.com is going to be an enormous resource for you to find information about candidates. Yeah. Um, so this is you, our Olympics. You can't say we didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to find one resource that's any better. So we hope that you guys spread the word and, and link to what we're doing and share what we're doing. Um, and we do that as an outreach to candidates. But most importantly, because... You know, I had a conversation with somebody about this today. The biggest feedback we get uh, when we talk about elections and we would do our polls, when we go meet groups, is I don't know enough about all these candidates. Yeah. And the state and local elections, especially in the primary, you're going to walk into it wherever you are. You're going to walk into a polling booth and you're going to vote in six, seven, eight, nine different races. And there are going to be 30 candidates on the ballot for you to choose from yeah and some you choose one some you choose up to three some you choose up to nine in some of these places as far as central committee goes. right and so no one is going to know everything about all of those all of those races and everybody's going to be looking for information about these candidates and if you're somebody you're one of those people like brian and i are where people come to you and say well who are you voting who do you know who what's going on with you you're going to be able to tell them about red maryland that's one of our big focuses and we're doing it again, not just with the interviews, uh, though we are doing that as well, but but some other things as well that we got in the works. So redmaryland.com is the place you're going to want to be. And nobody else, not your local newspaper, not some of these left-wing news sites, none of them are going to do it to the extent that we are. Yeah. Yeah, like like I said, end this of, is... End of sermon. This is our Olympics. 
Okay, this comes once every four years where we have the depth of races that we're going to be talking about, the the ability to influence the direction of the Republican Party, the conservative movement yeah. here in Maryland. This is your shot at it. Okay. Yeah. And you know, part of what we do here is to write about you know, to to promote conservatism, to put conservatism in a position to win and be successful in Maryland, as it was in 2014 with the election of Governor Hogan. But also that involves creating that 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 farm team down at the at the county level creating an effective Republican party um, you know central committees that are not dysfunctional that don't elect boobs to be their committee chairman and cancel Lincoln Day dinners and you know avoid doing the work you know making sure that you elect central committee members who are willing to knock doors right. who understand the purpose of the central committee. And really, that's one of the key problems that we have is that a lot of people see Central Committee, they run for Central Committee, they don't know what the hell it is. And so we're going to ask them, why, yeah. you know, what do you think is the role of the Central Committee? Why are you running for this Absolutely. office? Absolutely. I've been on Central, I've been in Central Committee meetings. I, I've, I've not been elected member of the Central Committee. I've served and supported Central Committee. And run for state party chairman. And run for, thanks for bringing that up. Um, jerk. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've been in Central Committee meetings where someone talks about the Central Committee as a club. And I've even heard people use that word. It makes my blood run cold. I mean, you have these are to under- elected officials in the state constitution. Yeah, and and they they have a very important role. And some of them, you know, pick legislative vacancies and those sorts of things. But they set the tone and the policy going forward with a party. And you know, it makes a di- we've seen it firsthand. It makes a difference if you have smart, engaged, intelligent, hardworking people versus people who just threw their name on the ballot and want to be a you know hanger on um, and have really strong opinions on Facebook but really don't get the nuts and bolts of how electoral politics works it makes a difference in the outcome yes and and so that's one issue but we're also look we've gone back and forth on endorsements in the past I think we've kind of come to a point where we're like we keep hearing people say they don't know these candidates. And our goal is to not only get you more information about all the candidates we can, but to give you some insightful, intelligent, persuasive reasons why you should support certain candidates. And hopefully, if you trust us and you trust what we're saying, um, you'll you'll go out and not only ultimately vote for these people, but support them early on. That's our goal. We're getting the buzzer. I think that means that it's time to go. Oh, I don't know what I don't okay. know what that is. That's my um, telephone. You can't hear it. <laughs> the folks on the podcast can't hear it. Well, Greg, this brings a close to 2017. Any final uh, any final thoughts before we sign off for the year? Uh, thanks for everybody who supported us. It was an interesting year, uh, 2018. Who knows what it holds? Hopefully all good. We've got very ambitious plans. Hopefully we'll be able to do all those things, um, and we'll survive to see the end. Um, <laughs> that's our goal. Indeed. And, and a good end. Let's just we'll check see. it. Let's get our stuff done and make sure all of the marriages are saved. As long as we do that, we are coming out fresh. Be ahead um, of the game doing that. Uh, and if we can win, <laughs> all the better. Um, 2017, in my humble opinion, uh, the best year for Red Maryland. You know, we, keep, we keep having our best year, which is, which is good. Um, kind of the sign of a, of a growing group. And, and, you know, we don't take that for granted. At least I certainly don't. Um, you know, we, we understand... Every time that we write something, every time we say something, that you know there's a, yeah. a credibility at stake. Ten years of credibility, going on eleven now, um, of credibility here at at Red Maryland, and it's changed a lot. And sometimes it's hard when we see things change to realize that, you know, it's it's onward and upward. Because we, you know, when a guy like 
like Mark leaves or a guy like Andrew leaves and, and, you know, or a guy like Dwayne leaves, sometimes you think, oh, man, we're losing something. And we are. But we continue to move forward and do bigger and better things. And those guys, bigger and better things as well. Definitely. So. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's great to see, too. I mean, it's you know, my way of reminding Andrew Langer. That <laughs> I mean, you, in we that, start, we, you owe us. In that sense, we have a nice coaching tree. If you will, you know, if to, yeah, to use the we kind of do. I mean, <laughs> we kind of do, um, you know, and and yeah, it's 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 been a great year. We think that 2018 is going to be a great year for us. Um, like I said, hopefully getting bringing new shows to pass on the network. The, the amount of influence, um, you know, the, the the resources and information that we're putting out there. I mean, we understand that when we say something, it has resonance not just necessarily in the conservative community, but also, you know, the, the Baltimore Sun reads us. The Washington yeah. Post reads us. Democratic yeah. leadership reads us. Yeah. And, and, and we know that when we say something, it, it has a certain, a certain cachet. And, I, and obviously, we understand we have our haters on our side, whether that's based in policy or jealousy or personality is whatever. Um, and it's a potpourri of all those things, yes. to be sure. And always has been. Yeah, that we're kind of day used to. one. Yeah, it's been that like we're kind of used to. The thing that the thing that we have to keep mindful of and that we lose sleep about is making sure we're doing a quality product in a way that is deserving of the reputation that so mm-hmm. many people have contributed to making over the last. Definitely, years. the haters don't bother us. No, no, we they, enjoy it. Frankly, uh, yes, yes, we do. Um, so in that, let's let's go ahead and, and let's remind everybody about the uh, about the network. Um, you're not going to play that, don't forget. Um, and Friday nights, um, it's the Red Maryland election focus that Greg was talking about earlier. Yeah. We're going to be in best of mode for a couple of weeks on that. Hard to get interviews during Christmas. Well, we could, but again, we want to make sure you have a chance to listen to some of these interviews. So for the next three weeks, we'll have best of election focus. So we'll have some county elected candidates. Uh, this Friday, next week, some some of those central committee candidates that we were talking about, and then after after New Year's, we'll have um, some folks running for the general assembly. And remember, if you haven't heard it, it's new to you. Yeah, and if, yeah, and pro- and a lot of you haven't heard it, or you haven't heard all of them, because we've kind of taken fifteen different shows and and taken bits and pieces. So you may have heard one or two, um, but you haven't heard all of them and put them all together. So this is a good way to do that. Sundays, it's the Air Raid with yours truly. There will be a special Christmas episode this week. So, oh, wow. Great. Um, stay tuned for that. Tuesdays, in theory, yeah, is the conservative refuge. We're gonna, I'm going to try to do some best of the next couple of weeks, try to get that out there. But um, we'll, we'll keep rocking and rolling. The flagship Red Maryland Radio airs on Thursday. There'll be another best of of that this week. Oh, uh, good. That's what you tell me. I'm looking me. forward to you to put things that's what you, together. That's what you tell me is that you're putting together best of this week. So, um, anyway, I, I'm off. I don't know. If Greg wants to do a show, fine. I'm off. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I'll be in the editing bay if you want to get on. <laughs> and it's course, funny. I was, on, I was on the radio with Mike Bradley this morning. and he's Who like, I heard on the radio on the way over here, by the way. Okay. I was tuning in to WCEI, uh, Christmas Station. He doesn't sleep, man. That guy just, he's a machine. But anyway, he was, he was asking me, hey, do you want to do next week? I'm like, I'm around. If you want to do next Thursday, I was a little around. surprised when I heard that you guys were, were doing it next week. So he, he gave me the option. I'm like, it's up to you. I'm going to be around. So I really don't. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So. 
Well, I will say this. Next week at RedMaryland.com, we'll be kind of doing some year-in-review posts. We'll be doing the... Um, yeah, got a lot of great stuff in the hopper. Yeah, so we'll be talking about what our what our most read show, what our most read stories are, yeah. of, you know, our most read stories by month, our most listened to shows, and something new this yeah. year that I'm doing for the first time. I'm not happy I, about all those lists, but you'll I, get a chance to read them. I put together... Uh, I put together, you know, what is the most read stories from our archives? You know, we got ten Which years. Which is fascinating. We got ten years worth of stuff. What from each year is the most was the most read story? So, what's the most read story for? It was written in two thousand and seven. This year, it's two thousand and seventeen. What are people reading from ten years ago? Yeah, it's a fascinating you'll su- list. You'll be surprised. It's a lot of stuff. I and frankly, I wrote one of the most popular articles of this year, which won't be on this year's list because it was actually written last year. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's bizarre. But so uh, that's I get partial credit. <laughs> that was the impetus for me putting that list together. Oh, I know it was. Yeah. I know, and I appreciate that. So, but it's fascinating what people because we know that people use RedMaryland.com as a resource. Yes. That's what it's there for. You go to redmaryland.com and put in that search bar, you're going to find a treasure trove of information. And it is fascinating. We try to understand the Internet. We don't. (laughs) It doesn't make a lot of sense. But that list will give you some insight into the weirdness that is how people use Red Maryland. And one way that you can share the weirdness is uh, through social media. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland is how you do that. We're on Instagram at Red Maryland. We're on Twitter at Red Maryland. You are the force multiplier. Share our stuff, particularly as, we, particularly as Greg said, with all the information we're going to be putting out about candidates, make sure to share that information. You can sign up for our email list. Go to redmaryland.com, click on the subscribe link, or go to the support us banner, uh, and you can subscribe to the Red Maryland newsletter. You can subscribe to Red Maryland Network Programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play, and have all that stuff downloaded to the device of your choice. You can find ways to support us, uh, donate to us, paypal.me slash redmaryland. Zazzle.com slash redmaryland is how you can buy Red Maryland Network swag. Um, the Amazon link, if you want to get any last-minute Christmas shopping done, uh, go to that Amazon link, and you can yeah. still buy gift cards or whatever. All those dollars, make a great gift. All those dollars come back to Red Maryland to help us grow and enhance the network, advertising, new equipment, et cetera, and so forth. If you want to get in contact with us, redmaryland at gmail.com is the email address. The phone number is 410-205-4875. What's that number? 410-205-4875. And we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program, as Greg likes to say. Don't cost nothing. And, and the more negative, the better. That, too. Um, I like so, to say a lot of things. Greg, Merry Christmas. Same to you, my Happy friend. Happy New Year. And to your family, um, Merry Christmas. Uh, and, and Safe to, travels. I know you're traveling. You. Yes. I'm, I'm not as much, so... I wish you safe travels. Thank you. And, and, and to everybody, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Enjoy it. Spend time with family. And if you do something stupid, what's that number again? 410-541-6DU. I'm going to be around next week. So <laughs> if you do something stupid on New Year's Eve, I'm around. Exactly. I can help you out. Don't worry. So for everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. For Greg Klein, I am Brian Grivis. You've been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. And now, as always, we close before Christmas with a message. From the king. And now, here with a special Christmas message, the immortal Elvis. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. This here is the king. I know I haven't been around much for a while, but I want you all to know that up here in rock and roll heaven, I'll be thinking of you this Christmas. And I'd like to give you all a special Christmas message a message of peace. Like, uh, how about a little piece of that pie going by? Thank you. Thank you very much. Like I was saying, Christmas is a time of hope. 
time of joy, a time for loving. And I sure would love a big slice of that pizza you got there. Okay, what we watch. No more what that. Oh yeah, Christmas. Now Christmas to me means family. And family means friends. And friends means getting together. And getting together means eating. Oh, pass me that drumstick, would you please? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And I just want to say to you right now, you know, I may be a big star, maybe too big, but ain't nobody so big you can't reach out a helping hand, a helping uh, a hand. Uh, would you hand me a helping of those mashed potatoes over there, would you please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, like I was saying, ain't nobody so big you can't stoop to help a friend in need over the holiday season. Now, speaking of season, you want to pass me that salt sugar when you get the chance? Thank you. Yeah, just just unscrew the cover. That's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this Christmas, why don't y'all take a tip from old Aeolus? No, no, leave those steak tips right where they are. You know what I mean? No, I appreciate it. Thank you. I want you to remember, we're all part of God's great big family. And you know God made man unto his own image. And look in the mirror, I'd have to say God must be a big, big son of a gun. You know what I mean? I think you do. But I especially want y'all to remember this one last thing. When you're all at home this Christmas, stringing that popcorn up on the tree, save a big, big bowl for the king. Extra butter, know what I mean? Well, thank you, dear. Like you. Like you very much.